Good morning, good morning. Welcome and hello to from all the coaches to all of you out there in the listener land. This is Coach's Corner and it's brought to you by the Endurance Lab where you can join the coaches live and unscripted as we recap the week for you and answer your questions from the forum. My name is Jason Flores and we're joined today by all of our coaches. We've got Taya Friedstead up there in the corner, Ian Murray down in the bottom there, and Mitch Jengerman next to him, and our nutritional therapist up there, Andrea Cullen. Good morning, everybody. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Happy New Year. Happy, happy New Year, everybody. So, um, well, just a quick reminder that we are live on several different platforms, and today is what you see is what you hear is what you get. Today is raw, unedited commentary from our coaches, um, but this also gives you a chance uh, to be part of the show by asking questions. So jump on live, be part of the show, um, YouTube, uh, Facebook Live, all of those channels are um, available. Let's jump straight into our topics for today. Um, we've got a couple new things. It is the new, um, our first episode of the year. Um, so we've got a couple New Year's things going as well as some planning things for the rest of the year. Uh, so we're going to start off today and we're going to throw things over to Andrea um, for some challenges here in the new year. And everybody loves lists. Andrea loves lists. That's no exception. <laughs> and so she's actually got a list for us, but um, actually she's got some challenges for us. So I'm very excited to hear about these. Cool. And chip in if any of you have any tips on any of the things I'm going to talk about. But generally, when we start the new year, a lot of people set resolutions that are kind of like beat me up resolutions. You know, I'm not going to eat bread anymore. I'm not going to eat potatoes and this whole kind of negative focus. And I just wanted to get people to think a bit about how they're going to set their goals for their New Year's eating. And I recommend that you think about this, get a pen out and, and, you know, like your training, if you can work through it, you're going to have more success. So number one, accept whatever happened over Christmas and New Year's, just accept it. Don't beat yourself up. Did you enjoy it? Um, if you start beating yourself up, you're going to go the other way with being overly strict and then you're going to crash and burn and then you're going to end in a binge. And it's just this negative cycle of not feeling very good about yourself. So just accept it and start today. Now, if you wanted to delve into it a little bit more, like if Christmas tends to be quite a stressful time and you do a lot of emotional eating or emotional drinking, then maybe you might want to go there. But generally accepting it and moving forward positively, I think, is, is a good idea. I, don't, I think the minute we say, I'm going to quit this, the next day we're doing it. <laughs> it's just we like to rebel against ourselves. So next one is audit. So think about the year last year and, and how did it actually go for you in relation to your training? What worked? What were the weak spots? Where can you improve? Um, where did you learn a bit more about yourself? Do you need to get a little bit better at cooking or prepping or planning or freezing things? Do you want to buy some new kitchen tools like a crock pot so that you can do some slow cooking? Um, do you want to work with an expert? Do you want to invest in some new books. So have a think about, you know, where you want to put the work in. Just like with our bike, we might have specific goals or a run. I think it's good to do it with our training as well so that, that each year we're progressing. Um, so audit. Three, set some goals for your eating plan in 2019. They need to be realistic and they need to mean something. So, you know, you're not going to get to 43 kilos and 10% body fat and hold that all year, you know, make... <laughs> Make them realistic. Um, and in that, if you can, now Ian put a really good post on the forum talking about goals. And if you can tie your nutrition goals into your training goals, I think it gives you a little bit of a deadline. So 
if you have your A race and you want to be at your healthiest and fittest regarding, you know, what you can do with your nutrition, then set that as your goal. Um, it's not about just getting to a specific weight because that weight may not be realistic for you and you can just run yourself into the ground. So I think health is the big one to think about being your strongest, being your fittest. Um, so setting your goals, make a plan. So, so that plan needs to work for you. And at this point, most of our athletes that we're working with have a fair idea about themselves. You know your body type, you know your mindset, you know the type of eating that you like, and um, what's worked for you before and what hasn't. You know, don't go and do a diet that didn't work for you before. It's not gonna work again. Um, or the one that you, or the one that worked for you before, but you couldn't sustain. True. Yeah. You know, it, it needs to be practical and manageable. Um, does your plan need to be strict or does it need to be flexible? Um, I tend to feel men fare better on strict diets. And sometimes I worry when some of my male clients are like, I really want to try intermittent fasting. Um, but they're good at sticking to stricter plans, whereas women tend to, we have our hormones and we sort of jump around a little bit. And I think we need something less flexible, but within that there's different types of personalities. So it's finding what way is going to work for you um, and allowing yourself that leeway if flexible works better, because if you're trying to do something strict and it doesn't work for you, you're just going to end up in cycles of beating yourself up and feeling crap. And that's what not life is meant to be about. Um, what is necessary to support your training? You know, Keto may be a great plan as a strict plan for a person who works well with a strict plan, but it may not work for someone who's trying to do a lot of intensity work or full iron distance. So you need to think about, is this going to work with my type of training? And really think about it. And there's lots of people that are going to tell you, you need to do this diet. You need to do that diet. Take a step back. Is this actually going to work for me? And am I going to become a better athlete as a result of this plan? Am I going to be healthier, fitter, stronger? Is my immune system going to be better? So think about what's going to tie in with your plan. Another diet that is talked about a lot recently, we see a lot of pro athletes um, and people blogging, talking about turning over to a vegan plan. And that can be very healthy, but there can be more challenges like getting in enough protein, getting enough B12, getting enough iron in. So it's going to take a little bit of work and it's going to take some education. Now we have um, some ladies on our group and they eat fantastically balanced vegan diets. Um, and you can tell they've, they've got the knowledge and they've put the time in. So you need to be prepared to do that or it's not going to work for you. You're going to run into trouble. So they're just two examples of thinking about what is necessary to support your training. Then you need to think about things like family, work, the amount of time that you have available. It needs to work within that. Um, if you're cooking for a whole family, it needs to work for everybody. Well, unless you're very selfish. Or <laughs> um, <laughs> you're telling the kids to go cook for themselves. But it, need, it needs to work for everyone and it needs to be enjoyable or you're not going to be too a favorite in the house. I, I've heard that if you send your kids out foraging and scavenging, it, it helps build character. Yeah. <laughs> no. Survival skills, character, all of those. Because and if, social services. Mm -hmm. If Ry <laughs> if Ryland did that, we'd come up we he'd come back with like dead leaves and grass. That's what we'd be eating for dinner. <laughs> well, I'm not talking for you guys, I'm just talking for himself. Okay, okay. <laughs> um and then think about 
do you actually need to do a massive overhaul or do you need to just tweak things? And generally that's why, where I start with people. I have a look at their diet and then we'll make changes within that because they're already kind of doing what they like and sort of what they found has worked for them. And then we start to improve that just like you do with your training. Um, male versus female. There's some diets that work better for men and don't work as well for women. And that would be the low, low carb type approach. Now, I generally don't recommend a really low carb approach for any athlete training at intensity, but for, for, for some, I see there's a little more leeway with dropping the carbs than others. And it does tend to fall into the male versus female bracket. Um, but there's always going to be outliers. Um, six, getting into the practical side of things. I did this once to someone and they flipped out on me. So do, do it yourself, which is chuck out everything in your house that <laughs> you is an choke out everyone in your house? <laughs> choke out. <laughs> <laughs> no, throw I mean, out all the bad stuff. Throw out all the bad stuff. So go through the salad dressing. If it doesn't have good stuff in there, get rid of it. The sweets, you know, that secret stash. If Andrew, it's if there. Andrew, my house, I'm going <laughs> to choke you out. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to choke you out. <laughs> yeah, I did before. I didn't go down too well. They asked me to do it, and then they realized they had all this attachment to everything that I found. And I was like, so, yeah, I suggest just getting rid of anything that's not on your plan. If it's not there, you're not going to eat it. And then what you need to do is stock up on the essentials. So, you know, dedicate one day to doing a big shop for the basics. Go online, go to the grocery, go to the health store, but, you know, stock up the cans of coconut milk or beans or tomatoes, the different flours that you might need, The put some meat or fish in the freezer, you know, try and put as much there as possible so that you have it for the, for the busy days. Number eight. Um, I think Google can be a great place for finding meal ideas and recipes, but you need to read them with a little bit of common sense because sometimes, like for example, you'll see a keto cake. Is a keto cake good for you? Full of, you know, so just, just kind of read through the lines and make substitutions if you need, but. I'm pretty sure that Cheetos is vegan. Yeah. Or yeah. not. Water is gluten-free. <laughs> Yeah, that's a new water for 2019. Oh, we did have hot dog water last year, right? That's and, right. And, and we will have TMODZ water being marketed across the country. Yeah. Soon. Is it just, right. is it, it's the sweat of our competitors, Justin Wagner would say? It, it's the oh. tears of our competitors and our sweat. There you go. Our sweat, their tears. Uh, <laughs> electrolytes. It's pH balanced, though. pH balanced. We'll ha we should have separate formulas for men and women. You want to make sure we have antioxidants in there, too, right? That's right. <laughs> an extra, extra <laughs> Inside joke. It's going to be organic as well. Yeah. All right. The number. Eight. What are we on? Nine. We're on eight. So yeah, if you like certain foods, try and find a healthier recipe. If you have nutrition gaps, try and find some recipes there. You know, print a couple out or save them so you have them. Um, Find a food chef or a blogger that kind of relates to you and maybe follow them. Like, I really like this lady called Cookies and Kate. She has some fantastic recipes. Now, they're vegan, but I'll just kind of, you know, add the meat in. <laughs> but she's got great ideas for salads and different ways of doing your veggies and things like that, which are really cool. So they, they keep things fresh. Um, I'm start a blog that's Ian's beer, ice cream, <laughs> yeah. and cookie diet, it's, it's, and meat. It's kind of like your Instagram, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
you'll be a millionaire at the end of the day. Yeah. Beer, ice cream, and cookie diet by Ian. That's right. Ian's Instagram, sponsored by the U.S. Department of Agriculture. <laughs> oh, jeez. <Yeah. laughs> and the Beer and Wine Wholesale Association. There you go. That's right. All right, nine. Nine, identify deficiencies and weak spots that may hinder your weight loss. And I kind of put down some food groups as well as health groups. And the first one, I must have been thinking about you, Ian, because it's alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> then it's fancy coffees. They're mm. full of calories. Um, she means like the, uh, the, okay. the uh, frappuccinos. Caramel gotcha. macchiato slash, yeah. Reindeer yeah. Christmas hot chocolate yeah. coffee. Mm-hmm. Um mindless eating and emotional eating. But after this, there are kind of some things regarding our health that can hinder our weight loss. So if your gut isn't in a happy place, an imbalance of gut bacteria can can hinder weight loss, um, or if gut function and digestive function aren't optimal, low vitamin D, low iron, low B12, uh, liver function and environmental toxins, our hormone balance, so the adrenals, thyroid, estrogen, testosterone, they can play a role. Um, training volume and intensity versus our current health. So actually overtraining uh, when we're yeah. not optimally healthy can, can really mess us up. Um, sleep. Sleep is the biggest one. More sleep. That is true. And training. Uh, and lots of travel. And then 10. The last one. It's just creating daily and weekly accountability. You know, plan ahead. Use a journal or a diary or make notes in your training peaks. Um, if it helps you um, a good body comp assessment, including phase angle, which will give you a marker for health, can really give you like a deadline. No one likes to have a high body fat percentage or poor hydration stats or a low phase angle. And that kind of makes you work on all of the pieces. So creating accountability or buddying up or different things, but having you think about it each week, like your training and how you're going to slot it in makes a big difference. So there's my 10. So how's the body comp, how does that work in terms of finding out not only percentage of body fat, but the other, the other aspects that you just mentioned, what kind of tasks are available for that? Um, So I recommend the dual phase bioelectrical impotence. So they're going to be sticking electrodes on your feet and on your hands. So it's not that you're just holding something or you're just standing on something. This is shooting Mm -hmm. two, two currents the whole way through your body. Um, within that, it looks at everything to do with composition, but it can look at extracellular and intracellular hydration, which is really handy. Um, if you're showing up really dehydrated, there's something either not right with your health or right with your hydration plan. Um, and the phase angle is a measurement of how this current is bouncing across the cell membrane to give you an idea of how healthy your body actually is. They use this in hospital to track your health. Um, and I was reading up on it yesterday, actually, it actually links in with, um, inflammation in the body too. So a really low angle means you could be chronically inflamed, which is pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. Oh, it was interesting. Um, I was having a conversation with my six year old, like we all do. And, uh, we were talking about new year's, uh, challenges and resolutions. And he said, dad, I think you should get more sleep because every time I wake up, you're already awake <laughs> and you're never inside the house. Is I think you should sleep more, Dad. That's your resolution. <laughs> That's smart. So sleep, so sleep is is uh, our resolution. So, <clears throat> oh, so any other chat about um our uh, our ten there um as far as challenges to our uh, to our athletes to ourselves um that Andrea brought up there all really good I think. Yeah, no, I, I still think that the most important she's mentioned of, above all was well, there's two: sleep and then the family balance. Um, yeah. 
that sleep, it, it's going to affect everything from your ability to do your workouts to your weight to your mood. Uh, it keeps me from to the cravings people. that you have as well. Because yeah. if you're sleep deprived, you're going to crave salty, sugary foods. Yeah, exactly. Craving, strangling people, um, all of those things. Uh, but and then the the work life balance, uh, family balance is is is, is key. Is as you know, it's the, really the families are the ones who support us doing this. So when you're when you're suffering in your race, or you're not having a good day. They're suffering too because they're standing there waiting for you, um, and they and they're feeling it all when they see when they see you come by all, all just cramped up or hurting, um, or if you crash things like that. So they they feel it just like you do, and and they feel it when you're getting up early, and they feel it when you're having the hard day, or they're having to suffer through. Well, I can't do anything Friday because I have a long ride on Saturday, and then I'm too <laughs> tired on Saturday night to do anything. So, oh man, um, and then Sunday I. I have to get ready for Monday, you know, so mm -hmm. that, that's, that's really important. Yeah, I think it would be good, good to, to put those uh, 10 up there in, in the uh, discussion in a forum so yeah, we can, I think so. Yeah, people can refer back to it and uh, we can keep that discussion going. That'd be great. So on the heels of that, I've got our top five um, 2019 uh, road bike trends. Um, a lot of us are road bikers, um, some TT, are, uh, TT bikers, but um, and some gravel riders. I know uh, Taya's got her new, uh, um, her new, uh, her new thing. Um, but you know what? Um, before that, we've got um, something that we wanted to uh, jump down to. Um, let's talk a little bit about kind of planning for events, kind of forward in the season. And I'll round back um, to the top five. We just did our list here. So um, let's talk a little bit about uh, preparing for events um, that are far, that are a little further off, like spring events, um, gravel season. Let's say you're focusing on that or cyclocross. Um, the question comes up in the forum about when to start and what to do. Um, so we've got a little bit about that, and then we could chat um, about different ways we can tackle that. Um, Taya, what do we have from the forum there? Yeah, so we uh, had one of our riders who is doing a 70-kilometer event, gravel event. Um, I'm not sure it's just gravel. It's mixed terrain. There's, mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. a lot of different things, but it's one of those classic spring events that uh, a lot of us do. And um, it is in April. And so we are right now beginning of January. So you have a couple of months before that event. And the question he had was, should I be, how do I prepare for that event? Right, because I still need to have that time of the year that I take the intensity down, I take the volume down so I can recover and adapt at the same time. So it's the active off season, right? It's not an off season, but it's, it's the active off season. But how do I be, how can I be ready for that event come springtime, come April? And the answer is you don't want to be training like that spring event is your summer event, unless that is your A race. Right. But assuming that is not your principal race of the year, and you're going to be ramping up after that all through the summer, then what you need to do to be prepared is going to be more on the side of um, spacing things out so that you have enough recovery and not a whole lot of intensity. Because if you think about a spring event, let's say a um, 60 mile, um, which is the, your classic 100K, or even your 100 mile events for, for gravel, you can do, there's two things to work on. One is volume, the other one is intensity. Now the volume, you don't need to be doing four hour rides every weekend to be ready for that. So if you start doing four hour rides let's say every Sunday between now and April, you're gonna be pretty tired. Yeah. And reality is you don't need to be, the time spent in the saddle 
is of course you're building if assuming that you are a rider who has been doing um, long rides for a little while right so if you're a bit this is this is the exception is the brand new rider so we're not talking about somebody who just started cycling and are not used to the distance we're talking about somebody who is used to the distance but it's now in the off season how do i get ready for that for that event so you can do um two and a half to three hour rides but you don't have to do them every weekend and you start to ramp up slowly as you get to that point but not so much that as is the same that you're in in season so i would say two and a half to three hours the purpose of getting that time in a saddle is also practicing your nutrition a little bit getting your stomach used to or not letting you <laughs> get unused to eating on the bike because that could happen too if you're in the winter and you're just having these short one hour um training sessions on the trainer or short rides now you're not eating anymore because you don't need to and then all of a sudden you go to a big event and you have to eat your stomach is not used to it anymore so you, you have to bring that in during those uh those rides mm -hmm. but i would i would do um a mix of some of those two to three hour rides every other weekend and then have the intensity slowly ramp up as well so you're talking about a mixture of sweet spot training let's say you know right um in that between tempo and threshold for a little bit during the week and also some vo2 to keep you ready and you'll be ready for that event yeah um it's not your a event you're not going to be you know going all out but um hopefully it's no one else right yeah. you don't want to be the hero in the spring and then fade um as the season progresses and then you know you find yourself um fatigued by you know june july yeah and we see this often with um our athletes you know they're you know january february march heroes and then the rest of the season you're struggling to keep your fitness um and i think it's important to play the long game especially if you are looking to have an event that's at the end of the year you need to keep that in perspective um you know we've got uh, when is uh when is your guys is a uh, roubaix um for you Mitch and Taylor. Their base, April. Yeah, so that's still April nineteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth. Yeah, something. so second so, weekend of April. So the pressure that Mitch has to peak, make sure he can keep up with Taya, it's it's, it's not there, <laughs> Mitch. It's not there, you know. You got to think well, bigger. Yeah. <laughs> what I was gonna say is, so we we go back to what Andrew was talking about, was planning and thinking. Yeah. You really should at this time of year be looking at your whole year, mm -hmm. not just. January, February, March, and April, yeah. right? You've got to have an eye. If you don't have it marked down on your calendar, you at least have to be thinking, what else am I doing? And, and it does help to start looking at the whole year and planning out your peaks and where your fitness is going to go and what's your A race, what's your B race. Um, you know, like personally, my season is going to be part cycling focused and part running focused. So you've got to really start thinking, how do you do those two things and how do you layer it in? But if you're just cycling all year, you need to start saying, all right, do I want to have a mini peak in April, but I have something bigger I'm shooting for in August and September. Yeah. 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 Planning it in, like some people might want to lose weight at the moment. And often you'll see suddenly everything is ramping up weight loss, intensity of training, volume Ugh. of training, and you just crash and burn. So you know, with slightly less volume and intensity, but maybe pushing for that one to two pounds weight loss initially when you have the recovery time, perhaps, but just don't do it all at once because your mm. your body can't. <laughs> I, I do have the beard going though for the race, then yeah. I will stay here until the race. <laughs> I feel like Ian's brewing down there in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm like... just waiting. 
I'm just waiting and waiting and waiting because I'm trying to find out if I can go participate in that race because I'm uh, going to <laughs> Mitch with one mile left. You're going to what? I'm going to sit on Mitch's wheel for all end. but one mile. You want to go that slow? And then he's going to out-sprint Mitch. It's going to be a recovery ride. <laughs> oh. oh. All right. Oh. All right. Take the shot all you want. All right, all right. Um, there was a second part of that, um, Taya, or just like things to do in between cross training, just kind of thinking of other things um, to be able to do while you're kind of planning the year out, or? Yeah, so there was a talk back that came up in the lab, and uh, Mitch was also involved in that conversation about yoga. So I thought I would mention yoga for endurance athletes. It's something, I think that yoga is one of those holy grails for a lot of people, um, the same way that good nutrition is. So everybody hears and, and uh, believes that yoga is very helpful, right, for so many different things. And it's true. It is true. I would say, though, um, a, a couple of words of and, and so I'm not going to sit here and talk about all the benefits of yoga. Um, I think that's well established. I'm going to offer some uh, anecdotal evidence from my experience in doing yoga. So I've, I've done yoga for probably 18 plus years. And there was a time. Uh, when I was only doing yoga, what I found was that over the years, I had some injuries that creeped up on me. I didn't even notice until it was too late. And that was as a result of going to a lot of classes. And as you can imagine, you go to a yoga studio and you do the classes um, and the instructors don't have the time to go one on one and make proper alignments and show you exactly how to do. So it's one of those things that you just look at the instructor and you try to copy what they're doing, but you're really not seeing yeah. yourself in the mirror. There's no, there's not somebody, they might, they might come by and give you a little pointer. Oh, do this, you know, put your shoulder on top of your wrist or whatever it is you did that <laughs> once. But then, you know, after a while it's, it's, you're on your own, to be honest. And, um, over time I've, I've, I now have issues with my, both my shoulders. Um, and some other issues as well, including the clean muscles, which is which are these muscles around the neck here that flare up mm-hmm. every time I do a push-up, and there's no getting rid of it. Um, and and it, it was over time, so be very careful with that. Um, of course, I was being an overachiever too in yoga. I was going five days a week. I was doing all the hard stuff, right? If you're starting, just start with the basics. Start with the gentle yoga. Start with the restorative yoga because you're complementing what you're doing on the bike, on your run, and your swim. You're it's it's not a be all end all. So don't fill up your schedule with lots of yoga. I would say twice a week. Yep. is enough for you I, to keep your balance. I was just planning to do yoga to prep for that uh, barrier. <laughs> <laughs> you might need a little bit of time on the bike. A little I would say, bit. though, if you do hip openers, that will help you get in the aero position on the bike, and that will probably help you with the mileage. So, but, um, on, on that note, one of the other yeah. important things is if you have any kind of back or neck issues um, and you have an over-eager instructor, yeah. Um, you might want to tell them to go eat something yeah. um, instead of when they try to tell you to go deeper. The one, the best thing I've ever seen with yoga instructors is when they say, this is not about going deeper or, or making it hurt. It's about just o- trying to open a little bit. So if it mm-hmm. starts to feel any pain whatsoever, you yes. need to back off. Yes. Yeah. That's the key word for, for doing these, um, even if you're doing it on your own, um, you know, with a YouTube video or whatever it is is you want to have sensation in your legs and, and your ligaments and your, mm-hmm. you know, but not pain. 
it shouldn't be pain. It should be just like right. Yeah. Don't use a ratchet strap to try and get yourself down to touch your uh, <laughs> you know nose your your nose your knees. It's a great so idea. Yeah. When someone's performing their the, the the position or the yoga stretch or the movement um obviously most triathletes or cyclists are going to be overachievers and they're going to start pushing but when you're when you're in yoga it's more a real and I, you probably have better words to describe it to advise but if you're feeling that the muscle is tensing or you're forcing or there's slight shaking you're going too hard it should be just mm. just really relaxed lengthening would that be correct for to describe how someone is feeling it yeah it, so it's it's really the the muscle has a tendency to contract as as you're going into a position that's starting to hurt um so you have to first you might need to back off a little bit from that position so you go less deep into that position but then you use your breath to calm yourself down <laughs> but what you're doing is you're trying to relax that muscle it's really focusing on that muscle and trying to relax while holding a position that seems to be painful but it shouldn't be painful it should be uncomfortable but then you're trying to relax the muscle and you can achieve that um little by little and with your breath i'm sensing a new business where we go around and help triathletes and cyclists who are going to be in yoga and just smack them every time they're trying to <laughs> go to the that's but the thing is, they they might actually smack you. You would be amazed what the body holds, and you see people do yoga for the first time, and they'll break down and cry. Or yeah. I started again this wow. week, and I wanted I wanted to punch someone, just because the body holds what we can't emotionally express during the day, which is why oh. the stretch the stretching and the yoga is actually yes. so good for us, because we're actually holding something so deep that it that can be where an injury will happen. And here's That's a why I advocate not having emotions. No. <laughs> here's a surprise to a lot of people. Um, we tend to think that we hold a lot of tension in our shoulders and our neck. Our hips are even more so for mm -hmm. carrying uh, tension and stress. So stretching your hips frequently uh, throughout the week is great. Hips don't yeah. lie. Hips don't yeah, lie. <laughs> Wait, is that a song? <laughs> Mitch, what are you saying? Uh, no, 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 I was agreeing with you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, um, thinking of um, <clears throat> opening up a place to be able to uh, stretch or to um, uh, to get people to get into movements, there's actually studios here in Santa Monica that are stretch studios where you'll go in and you'll get stretched for 10, 15 minutes um, and someone goes in and actually stretches you properly. So <laughs> No, I'm serious. They they also serve hot dog water. It's okay. <laughs> and they have the uh, the cryo uh, studio next to us. So yes. Cryo yes. There's yes. also Normatech Recovery Studios. Yep. We've got it all. I'm sure. Col between Colorado and Southern California, we we can. Uh, do, you get, do you get a trophy for going in? <laughs> you get a participation award. Everybody wins. Well, you get a get a what's that thing called a ribbon? A ribbon, because right. you don't want it to be too big. Because parents have to keep all that junk that our kids get all through their life, right? You don't. <laughs> no, I no? don't. Okay, okay. Good news, good news. All right, excellent. Yeah, <laughs> if it ain't top three, you throw it away. If it's <laughs> not top three. I love it, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So a little bit more on to planning. Um, one of uh, another comment or another topic came up about um, prepping or planning an event that's longer than kind of your normal training session or kind of lo um, longer than your normal race that you do. 
um, or just also trying to find events that can kind of ramp you up to that rate other than just training indoors or trying to find, um, you know, rides outside. Uh, this was brought in by one of our um, uh, forum posts uh, this week. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, for the triathletes especially, this is something we do all the time. Uh, nobody in their right mind goes out and does an iron, iron distance training day, um, you know, before their race. So you, you do have to take these into consideration that sometimes on race day, you're going to be going a little longer. Same with marathons. You know, you're not going to be going in uh, running 26 miles uh, two or three weeks before a marathon because you're just going to be broken down. Um, it's a little less so I found in cycling because for the most part, if I'm racing 80 mile races or 60 mile races, I'm probably training out with my team or my group or somewhere similar to that. Um, and it doesn't take quite as much out of you to ride a hundred miles on the bike as it does, uh, to do 140.6 miles of swim bike run. Um, but what I found is key, and even whether it's for cycling or running or multi-sport, you need to find events that you can use to simulate the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that can be doing a half Ironman before a full um, and not taking any recovery or tapering for it, using it as a training session. But also you have to understand you can't go full gas as if you're racing a half. You kind of have to go mm-hmm. somewhere between your half race and your Ironman and your iron distance pace um, and, and practicing that nutrition. And I've done it, and I, I said in the forum, I've done it with some other people and I've done it myself. Um, I may do an Olympic or a sprint as a tune-up for a half to practice my transitions because in those races you have to get to transition fast or, or else you, you lose it there's five to 10 seconds you could lose in transition could be the race. Wow. Um, and so you have to get through that, but at the same time, I'm going to put a training, a bit of training after that race. So I'm not going to go full gas and bury myself. If the sprint, I can bury myself cause it's you know, 45 minutes to an hour, but then I'm going to go do another two or two and a half hour, three hour ride afterwards. If it's an Olympic, Maybe I won't do the ride that day. I'll do another workout the next day. So I'll, I'll, ha- I'll just make that a hard workout day. But everything else I'm going to do in my main race is going to be pretty much the exact same. I'm going to feed on that that Olympic as close as I can to my same schedule. Um, I'm going to try and take things in, which means I'm going to finish that race not hungry um, and, and pretty topped off on energy so I can get another workout in. Um, and I'm going to make sure everything, everything I'm doing is the exact same, just shorter distances, if that makes sense. Yeah. It's also important not to do it too close to your actual race, because if you find mistakes, you want to be able to take the time to create a training event to simulate that again, that you can tweak what you did. So if you, if you found out that, Hey, by putting my shoes on backwards in my pedals, it nearly made my transition difficult. Um, or by putting a rubber band on on the drivetrain side, it got caught up in my in my big chain, or you know, for whatever you want to do. If you find things that didn't work out right, like oh, these gloves aren't very good for going over bumps. Um, I slipped off the handlebars and ate the ate the stem. Um, you know, whatever you want to want to do, whatever you want to test, you got to test it in those events. But give yourself time to fix it. You know, it's kind of like doing a seven and a half hour training day, three or four, you know, a week before I don't know world championships or something like that. Yeah, I think it's. Conversation also becomes fatigue as you get too close to your main event. So right. you've got to do this further out. So if if you need to put yourself, you need to maybe even come up with your own events. If maybe locally there's not an event for you for this rider, for example, maybe you have to come up with an event like Ian's saying that'll challenge yourself with two days back to back, or you know, two two rides, one one long day, one short day, one intense day, one tempo day, something like that that will 
that will kind of challenge yourself um, to get you to that time limit far enough away because you don't want it to affect your actual event. Taya, you had something there? I was going to say for then going back to cycling, right? If that is a long event in cycling and you don't have any uh, events that are before that event that you can practice with, then it, it's okay uh, with the time. What you can do is you go to the shorter races because that then there you're practicing skills, you're practicing mm -hmm. how you feel doing the race day and all of those other things that come with racing, right? Preparation day of how you perform under pressure, etc. So you use those shorter races for those things. And in terms of time, then you use you use a trainer to spend time in the saddle and yeah. then mm -hmm. practice your nutrition. So four hour training rides on the trainer is what we're talking about, Taya, right? Four hour training <laughs> rides on the trainer. No. <laughs> No, those I don't are... understand what the problem with that is. <laughs> Wasn't the last episode that we talked about yeah, that? Yeah. Um, yeah, so check it out, our recommendations for uh, how much time you should be spending on the trainer in our exactly. past episode. Exactly. No more than six or seven hours. <laughs> um, a week. No, the, uh, but the, the, I will say the big thing on, on if you're doing a very long race, a very big and a very long endurance event. Yeah. Um, so I have an athlete who, who does ultras. We, we don't run 100 miles in training. That's just crazy talk. Uh, but what we do is we'll do a 15 or 20 mile run in the morning and then another 10 or 15 mile run in the evening oh. um, split up. Um, and then the next morning, another 10 to 15 mile run. Um, so there's a lot of fatigue built into there, but there's, there's some rest in between. We're not being too broken down. We're getting time to rehydrate and recover because at the end of the day, these really, really long races, whether it's a, the ultra cycling races as well, <laughs> You know, that no one's going to get on the trainer and ride for two or 300 miles for training. Um, you're you're going to use your accumulated your accumulated weeks worth of volume to help right. build that. Right. Right. That's a And that's a common misconception um, for for athletes to think that they, they really need to do the same exact distance uh, in training to be able to do on race day. Yeah. yeah and, and comparing what they do, Vice, well, this is what this pro athlete does. Well, guess yeah. what? You're not Meb Kafuzgi, okay? That's all he does. He's a freak of nature, and he can run 125, 130-mile weeks. We're humans. We can't do that. These um, training tips that you're talking about, Ian, are something that Garen would have used a lot in his Ironman training. Mm -hmm. um, the double run um, would have been done every Saturday. And I think mentally, it's a really tough training day because you've done your run, and then mentally you're gaining strength and getting mm -hmm. yourself back out again because you don't really want to and the right. long bike before a half Ironman he's done he actually cycled to a race that was halfway up the country one wow. year on, a, on on his really crappy road bike he even damaged it and then oh. he raced and for weeks afterwards I'd have a client come in going was your boyfriend that crazy guy that cycled to the race <laughs> okay. to but be he fair put though in... <laughs> Ireland is like 25 kilometers long <laughs> <laughs> mm. <laughs> a little bit more <laughs> but yeah these 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 tips really work yeah i think um that's definitely something that you should um you could look into i think it could be really now, helpful i do have one caveat to that if you're in the men's 40 to 44 age group and you're racing any race that i'm racing i highly recommend two to three days before the race doing an all-out yeah. four-hour effort <laughs> all out and, and then exactly then fast between that effort and yeah. the race. And then every day you should try a different a different um, way of eating, right? Like keto the first day, vegan the next day. No, fast. Oh, fasting. just fasting. <laughs> just fast. Just fasting. 
yeah and put it on race yeah make sure it's you know put on youtube put it on your instagram yeah you know that's what and no hydration either just minimal <laughs> hydration there you go things you should not do to get ready to race <laughs> all right do we have anything to add there as far as um making uh making making things work or making ends meet when you don't have the events to uh to lead up to them looking good all right no. so to <laughs> no nothing all right, so um, um, rounding back to our uh, top five 2019 road bike trends, I wanted to ask the coaches if it has come up on their radar or if uh, they feel it is um, thumbs up or thumbs down, as my six-year-old would say, um, if we agree. Uh, the first one is uh, aero bikes uh, coming of age. Uh, so this is the idea that an, uh, an aero bike coming to road bike uh, trends as far as the technology that has come from the triathlon world, but being a bike that has the compliance or the comfort that you can actually ride for a full day in the in the saddle for a road bike. What do you guys think? Are you seeing that? I call these good for nothings. Um, <laughs> good for nothings. I like it. Okay, no, so I, I mean, look. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, uh, look, if you're if you're doing races where there's chances for you to break away and, and they're cross windy or they're windy windy courses, like if you live probably out in in Chicago area and you're breaking away, okay, this might be a good thing. But I think for the average rider, mm-hmm. this is a waste of money. Yeah. Uh, for the for for a multi-purpose bicycle, it's it's not really light. It's not as arrow as a TT bike, so you can't really use it on the TT unless you only have one bike. Mm-hmm. It's not light enough for climbing. Um, but it, it, look, they're good all-around bikes. If you can only get one bike and you have to choose one bike for everything, it's a good bike. But I would say they're they're but not good for nothing. They're, they're good at everything, great at nothing type mm-hmm. bikes. Mm-hmm. So I have the uh, this Madone um, mm-hmm. here that's featured in the article. Um, so it's a very aero bike. It is very light. And in all honesty, when I switched to this bike, it's almost as if I instantaneously gained speed. Interesting. Just, it, it was, I stand it was corrected then. a big, big difference. And it, it was almost like, wow, am I cheating? Is, is there like a motor anywhere in here? Oh. It, it made, it made a big difference. The only problem with, uh, the track Madone is if you get crosswinds because it's such mm-hmm. a uh, wide profile that you yeah. get crosswinds, you're 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 yeah. being thrown everywhere. But but it is a comfortable bike given what it does, right? Given the uh, it is a comfortable bike. It is tough. To, um, Taya also rides with the full disc all the time, so it makes it difficult. <laughs> <In> the, <yeah. laughs> so it can be challenging. All right, number two, power meters becoming standard on bike builds um, from our um, our bike shops. I think I think I like this as coaches. Uh, I think it's important for people to understand um, going as hard as you can every ride isn't um, what you need to be doing. I like that. Um, let's see, we got thumbs up all around there. Stubby saddles, yeah. so uh, short saddles, noseless saddles for us uh, for us guys. I definitely um, feel like it's uh, a lot more comfortable. But um, maybe we can get a woman's perspective on. These uh, newer saddles. Have you guys tried either? So the the specialized mm-hmm. women's saddles that mm-hmm. came out at the end of 2018 was such a big hit that it was sold out. Wow! You could you could only buy certain um, models of it, and um, but most of it was sold out. And specialized is one of the uh, <clears throat> I want to say most respected brands in terms of comfort on a bike as well as bike fit because they do have Dr. Pruitt yeah. um, as as their their main, you know, I guess head researcher for yeah. and just 
very knowledgeable all around. And so they do come out with great products. What I found from comments from athletes is a lot of the women thought the saddle was a little bit too wide for them. So um, a lot of them like to saddle a lot. And but I would say that that a lot thought that the, the width was too much. And you'd so be surprised. In the, one of the things on that one, ISM, or Adopt Makes the Adamo, which I use. Right, the, right, common, right. the common critique is it's too wide at the nose, at the front. But what it actually I found, and we talked to the company, is it's because people push that saddle too far forward, very similar to their nose saddle. Mm. So you have to slide it back much further than you actually think. Interesting. Um, because it's supposed to rest at the sit bones and not come forward. And so when you come forward, I, I, when I had mine a little too far forward, I did notice I was getting some rub when I was mm-hmm. going up and down. But when I slid it back to its appropriate position, interesting, no problems. I, w- I wonder if I'm um, not saying that these uh, the ladies that had the, uh, the saddles, were, were the sizes available or were they just not available? What was the situation? Because I know specialized the sizes were available, uh, uh, but they ended up being a little too wide. A little too wide for, for a lot of them, but others thought that it was pretty good. Okay. Um, so from what I understand, I, you know, oh, go ahead. I, I'll give an, another another uh, comment that I'll make is I recently had a bike fit and yeah. I used to use the Adamo ISM saddle, which is the same yeah. as the one that Ian has. Uh, it turns out that even with the bike fit and sliding things around, that saddle didn't work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ended up with a saddle so narrow. I would never, ever in a million years have picked that saddle from a shelf myself. She never. basically is a Taya basically has a seat post. With the <laughs> I'm just standing the whole time on the bike, so it doesn't matter the saddle, right? Oh uh, but it's, yeah, it just goes back to the bike fit thing. Um, it's good to try different ones and go get a bike fit mm-hmm. yeah. because it was not just saddle; it was also the position and I and the rotation of, of my feet because I have a 10% uh, rotation right. one of the feet. Yeah, and so that speaks to bike fit and making sure that you are getting someone who is knowledgeable to be able to do this sort of thing. I know with the specialized saddle um, uh, system, you know, they measure your sit bones. Um, they, you know, make sure that uh, everything is where it needs to be, as well as you know, you can try different saddles out if they're a dealer and that sort of thing. And that's the kind of place you want to be at, to be able to try things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so individual. Um, I had awful problems getting a saddle. I tried saddles created by chiropractors and everything, and huh. you just have to be. I always felt like I was sitting on an iron rod, whatever way the my my <laughs> bones were meeting the saddle. Yeah. Um, so it has to be so individual. I think you just have to be able to try everything. I'm on an ISM now, but it's a it's like a granny saddle. He said it's less aero, but for me, I'm like. Pfft. Don't think it makes that much yeah. difference. <laughs> the, the saddle needs to come with a bike fit, though. You can't yeah. just try a saddle out. It has to come with a bike fit. Yeah, yeah. definitely, definitely. All right, number four, um, tubeless. So for our gravel cyclocross riders, um, tubeless still not mainstream. Um, so anybody know or ride tubeless in a triathlon, Ian? I guess in that one. Um, it's no. not common. No, mostly no, clinchers. I think part of it is, yeah. Okay. Well, no, tubeless tubeless are pretty common too. Okay. Uh, but. I think it's the, the fact that people just aren't quite familiar with what happens mm-hmm. if I flatten a tubeless. Yeah, 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 yeah. How about in the cyclocross um, experience in the last couple months? Did you, what about that? Tubeless? tubeless? Yeah, yeah. I know if Mitch was here, he's got his setup on his, uh, on his, um, on his seven bike. How about your experience with uh, your, your races, Taya, with the competitors you had? So I actually, because I had to use uh, mud tires... I wasn't, and, and they are tubeless ready, but because of the, uh, my wheels, I couldn't get tubeless with them. Got it. But before I had different wheels with, um, different 
example, different um, tires as well, tubeless for mm -hmm. gravel races, the gotcha. long ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, those worked out pretty well. I like some. Yeah. Um, although I was scared of getting a puncture, uh, it says it's very rare that you do. But if you do, right. then then you're done. Then you're done because you can't. I guess you might be able to put in a uh, tube um, mm -hmm. if you carry it with you, but it's just really hard to even get the tire out of the, out of the yeah. wheel. Yeah, I heard, um, uh, was it Innovations? Um, they have uh, plugs now, which a lot of the gravel guys are carrying. So like, it comes from the mountain bike world. Um, it's like a piece of rubber that if it's a big enough hole, it, it would do that. Um, but, I, but if it's any bigger than that, like if it's a slash or things like that, you're, you're set. But I mean, you would be with anything else, right? or anything else that you had mm -hmm. um if the tire was like that you'd have to put a boot on or something so but um but yeah there are some new things but definitely something to look into um still not mainstream i don't think we're seeing this in, a, in the in the peloton either um as much um all right number five um in-house componentry so we're talking um the bontaragers the the companies that are making bikes that are also making parts are getting better they're not just one-offs that they're selling with their bikes so i think this is a good thing um i don't have a lot of experience with it um, like wheels being part of um, what I buy, I usually buy them separately. I usually recommend, you know, the best um, if you are buying wheels off the bike. Rarely do any of us, when we purchase a bike, um, are thinking that, that those wheels that come with it are what we're going to ride with it, right? You're usually thinking right. about what you're getting next, whether there be more aero wheels or some other company that you, that you align with or that sort of thing. Um, but it's good to hear that they're putting their time in so that when you do purchase a bike first time out, it'll have everything that riders need, right? Yeah. Excellent. All right, so those are our top five. Was there anything else that's come up on anybody's radar that they want to throw in here of uh, good for nothings, Ian? Uh, I'll make a comment that it was actually a post from Greg on uh, the Facebook page for Team ODZ on helmets. Yes. I was surprised mm -hmm. to see how, I believe it or not, I uh, did not know that my helmet was not a MIPS helmet. Mm -hmm. MIPS is a special technology uh, to uh, really protect your brain, uh, and it's designed to move the same way that your brain would move inside your skull in terms of impact so that you're protected from all angles mm -hmm. um, versus a normal helmet. So this is something to look into. I would highly recommend uh, looking into uh, having a MIPS helmet, M-I-P-S. Yeah. And you don't have to pay a fortune for those. You can find those, uh, you know, the yeah. laser one, which was uh, rated really high on the Virginia Tech uh, recent uh Research uh, is quite affordable. So yeah, I think you're looking at an offset of a, anywhere from twenty to thirty dollars from your regular helmet. A lot of manufacturers are making both regular and non-MIPS. They're calling it now non-MIPS and MIPS helmet, and um, twenty or thirty dollar difference and saving yourself when you do fall. I think uh, is definitely worth it. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, so let's jump in the week for this lab. Our riders are still in the transition lab. We can talk a little bit about kind of the workouts that they're doing. Um, and a little bit about the strength. Um, I can't even remember these, and uh, I remember doing them a season ago, and I wish that these were on my schedule because <laughs> now I look at them and I'm like, oh, I want to do that. And the reason why is uh, Ian and I are going through some testing of a strength uh, routine that um, Endurance Lab's putting together, and it's it's pretty heavy. Um, but yeah, so if um, Ian, you remember 3-2 uh, pain and um, combination? Yeah, yeah so, so give us a little bit about what pain. it is, yeah. 3-2 Three two pain set is simply it's three sets and then two sets of a, a series of exercises and they include pull ups, v ups, some single leg squats. Obviously, it has it says TRX bands, but you can just do the single leg squat or put your uh, back foot up on a bench if you want. Um, and then you have some other bent over rows and you can use actual weights or you can use you know milk jugs, whatever you have available for mm -hmm. you. Um, the big things of this is it's about 
it's about keeping it consistent. It's not about how many push-ups you're going to do in the, or how much, how long it takes you to do the push-ups or how long it takes you to do the pull-ups. It's about just keeping going and using good form. Yep. And as you get through this with, with minimal rest is the other part of it. So it's, it's teaching some muscle endurance as well as um, really working on that core. And we've got some good plank time in there as well. Um, and then on our common combination exercises, this is, and it says no legs because everything we're doing is core and upper body on this one. Yep. Uh, so it's, it's uh, it's a little more uh, difficult, uh, I'll say, because there's again uh, no rest until you complete your three sets of of each exercise. And each exercise is designed where it's a complementary. So, for example, you do some pull-ups, and then you follow it by ankles to the bar, and then you'll then you'll do a uh, rear leg extension um, from the hands and knees position, yeah. and then do push-ups, and then go to a plank, yeah. and then fire hydrants, yeah. uh, and then crunches, plank, bicycle. So it's, those are the kind of things that are just back to back to back. It's targeting slightly different muscles in the same group. Um, and so it, it, it's designed to make you pretty much want to die, um, at the end of your third set, but it's not, it's not actually, it's not actually meant to kill you. Um, (laughs) so it, but they're good, they're good hard workouts, but they're nothing that you can't do. It's just a matter of you go through it. If it's a time base, it's about maintaining good form and keeping going. Yeah. Not about how many reps you do. If it's a rep based, it's not about how fast you do it. It's about doing it correctly and keeping going. So if you have to go to your knees for push-ups, like Drew, um, he does that, and that's perfectly okay. Because I'd rather you go well start at your knees than not do them. You gotta understand. Um, you gotta understand. Drew's like eight feet tall. So well, like, so like between the knees, like his hip to his head is about as tall as you are. So you know, like. <laughs> oh, exactly. And, <laughs> When he does, when he's actually on his hands uh, for the push-up, he's literally as tall as I am, <laughs> See? Uh, stretched out. Uh, so he's uh, no, but it's one of those things that. And, yeah. and look, I, I will say this: the the fact that he openly said that yeah. and admitted it, whether he's joking or not, is fantastic because oh. no, I'd much true. rather. It's true. He does. <laughs> Tay's like, no, I beat him up every day. It's true. Uh, I'm I'm not on my knees, and he's on his knees. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, I'm totally on my knees too. <laughs> but. It, but it's, it is extremely important to understand that, that it doesn't matter whether I can do uh, 100 push-ups straight or Jason can do 20 and then go to his knees. Because if Jason's still doing 20 and then going to his knees and knocking out his 100 push-ups and rest <laughs> from his knees, that's fantastic because he's still doing something. He's still working that. Yeah. And over time, you will get stronger. Yeah, yeah. And I think for a lot of riders who are in this transition phase, and if you are early season, and like we're talking about, if maybe your target ride, um, race is later on, this is an introduction. Or maybe you've never done this type of you know off-the-bike work. This is what you're going to benefit from getting these movements in and having that consistency. So, um, as far as skills are concerned, um, a lot of our riders, um, I'm not sure if it if it got caught, but I've come across riders that have asked me questions about riding um, these cadence workouts. Matea's <laughs> going to cringe in ERG mode, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so just a reminder to everybody: this week has a lot of a lot of skills built based in. And anytime you see cadence and this sort of like skills based work, remember that a lot of a lot, if not all, workout workouts that we design are outside of ERG, um, uh, and that allows you to really get out of the ranges. Because um, I'll go through workouts like, oh, can you take a look at my workout? And a lot of time it's like 87 to 92, and I'm like, oh, did you? <laughs> that's not quite as much what we were looking for. Um, so just to remind you, um, the skills that we, when we do skills and we talk about cadence and getting below and high, you need to be out of ERG. So we don't need to go into the whole conversation. You could go back and you could watch Taya's face turn red. Uh, 
between stars and ERG, <laughs> stars and ERG in 2018 is uh, is is our top requested for anybody who is listening ah. that's making a workout module. No more stars, and um and and, and, the, and the easier option to hit click a button to be off of ERG. That's what that's what we want as coaches. No more stars, folks. No more stars. Yeah, and look, I will admit, I, every time I stream a workout, I will straight up tell you, I don't care about my star. Yeah, I do it. I will fail yeah. almost every recovery star. Yes, and I do it purposely every time. Every time. I will, yeah, and someone will say something, and oh my gosh, I just go off. It's so funny. So I think Linda was on the uh, workout that I led on the module, and she's she's watching the uh, podcast here, where I, I explained the stars, right, <laughs> and how they, they don't matter, especially for that one because it was a sprint type, acceleration yeah, type, VO2 yeah. mm-hmm. effort, and there's no way you can know what each individual athlete is going to be able to do. And so we went on to say that, you know, we, you must fail this this interval. Nice. If you're not failing, then you're not doing it properly. There you go. And then let's hear some failure quotes. quotes there you go. Excuse there me. You go. And everybody just was typing in their like favorite it. failure quotes. That's like right. It. If you don't I fail, you didn't try hard enough. And, yeah. yeah so. I like it. Uh, so, so the skills we're working on this week are, um, you know, cadence with some power builds, um, a little bit of VO2 with some cadence work. These are all really key, and we talk about it week week after week, um, making sure that you're able to transfer these skills from on the bike to off the bike. I got a comment from an athlete saying, oh, I stay, um, I don't really like to shift a lot on the bike um, when I'm training indoors. I'm like, but don't you shift outside? And then they're like, oh, yeah, I guess I do. I'm like, yeah, that's a, we want to train not just the power, but we want to train that you can go out there. Um, and then a little bit of SST uh, work there with the 935s. Um, just always mm. having that little bit of sweet spot early on, keeping everything kind of sharp. Um, skills, skills, skills. That's that's what this time of the season is for. And to clarify the shifting, right? It's not learn. How, it's not like, oh, I don't shift indoors, but I shift outdoors. But why why do I have to train shifting? It's just shifting. I just pick a gear. It's not just that, right? It's really how your legs are using the muscles to Mm-hmm. to apply and force on the know, pedals it's different yeah, each, and if you don't each know what cadence, you're doing each, yeah each cadence each change in pace everything changing body position all of those things are going to be different forces that you apply on the pedals and that's why you have to train them indoors as well and shifting is a skill and it's something we covered we used to cover on the skills and drills ride when i was doing those nice. about if you don't shift at the right time you you run a significant risk of dropping your chain breaking yep. your chain yeah uh, things like that because shifting under we call it duress um, or strain is bad for your yeah. chain and bad for yeah. your cassette. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the advent of like you know, you know, uh, was it Wi-Fi and Di2? I mean, it's gotten less, and but it's just made people numb to knowing when to do this properly. You know, um, Ian and I did a pretty, um, pretty decent climb when he came out to visit, and I was sharing with um, some of the riders that were with us, like you know, being able to stand and sit down, for example, and be at the same power. Mm-hmm. And um, Ian comes by, I forgot what he said, something about, all right, we're going to start our next 10 minutes standing, okay? Oh my gosh, <laughs> the two guys that were with me are like, are you serious? Ian goes by, the next corner, the next corner standing, and the next corner standing. He's like, oh my God, he's going to do it. I'm like, yeah, he probably will. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think, but I mean, it wasn't that he was putting out this huge amount of wattage. Ian really doesn't put out a whole lot of wattage. He's tiny, so... Yeah, no more than 700 watts Yeah, so 30 minutes. But it was the same amount that he would put if he was standing or sitting and still making up yeah. at that pace. And that's the important part. That's the important part, to be able to do that at any cadence, standing, seated, um, and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So, Okay. All right. Um, do we have anything else? Good. All right. So we had some... Well, that's going to be it for us. Yeah, that's it. So we had a, a great, um, great tips, um, great list. I love list. 
Andrea. Andrea's list um, from the beginning here. Um, we will get that up in the forum. So definitely check out links for that. We talked about planning for your events um, further out in the season and how to kind of manage uh, getting either workouts or B or C events to kind of match your goals for those longer events later on. We talked about um, top five things that we're seeing in social in media um, that are coming up in 2019. Um, and a little bit about the importance of the workouts that we're doing in the labs this week. So I want to thank the coaches for joining us today. Um, and for everyone listening out there um, in podcast land, thanks for joining the Coach's Corner. But if it's your first time listening and would like to hear more content from the Endurance Lab, head over to your favorite podcast app and search the Endurance Lab and head over to YouTube and do the same. And don't forget to click subscribe. For more information on when the next lab is, head over to endurancelab.fit where you can learn and you can join us to train smart and get results. We'll see everybody next week.